Blue Collar Fitness. What is Blue Collar? Blue Collar is a mindset and attitude, and it's work that you can be proud of. I'm Trevor Powers. I'm Connor Burton. And I'm Josh Sargent. Whether you go to the gym, work at the gym, own the gym, or if you're just a creeper pretending to do curls watching girls on the elliptical, this podcast is for you, even you. Welcome to episode 29 of Blue Collar Fitness. We have on today a, uh, a special guest, Ian Rusi. Uh, he is a sports performance coach with the uh, Portland Timbers and yes, a uh, former uh, intern co-worker of mine at Oregon State. We, uh, we spent a lot of time cleaning a lot of equipment and he did a lot more cool things than I did while I was there. I did a lot more cleaning. So uh, Ian, welcome to the show, man. Hey man, we all had to clean. We all had to pay our dues, so <laughs> it was little yeah, buzz. It was about a good full semester of cleaning. That's just how it goes. Right, right. I think I cleaned for three years. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it went with my internship at Samaritan. I just like ended up cleaning like basically the full twelve hours. Like there was a cleaning throughout every single hour. The training was involved, but sometimes yeah. it was like mostly clean. But I get it. You got to pay your dues. Yeah, I mean. I, I still think back to those days so many, like, so often, like, I think the first semester I sat, I, I was there and I think like Mike Johnson, I spent most time with him, but I spent most of my time cleaning and, and towards the end of the term, I was like, man, like, it ultimately came down to me and I was like, I got to apply myself more. So I was just like, after that first term, I was like, no, I'm just going to start doing it. And, you know, it started yeah, I just started coaching, just jumped in. Like Mike wrote me a program for like 12 weeks and I just started doing that. And I felt like that was just how I really started to learn, just learning by doing. And then that translated over to, to coaching. So I was just kind of like, you know, learning what the whole process was and what he's putting his athletes through. And then, you know, that really helps paint a better picture in terms of how to coach and, and, and what to you know, feeling what your athletes feeling. And so that was, that was the start, man. That was the beginning. When you, uh, when you graduated and you left that last year, I was there. It wasn't the same, man. It was, uh, it was, I remember, uh, Jonathan Gocher, dude, remember that kid? I do. Yeah. He's at air force, air force. Yeah. He's in the air force now, right? He's, uh, he's yeah. a strength coach for the air force, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's over in, uh, he's over in Colorado Springs, which is sick. Oh, did you have you heard from him? Last time I saw him, he screamed at me uh, when I was at a when I was on the I was throwing girls on the on the, the field. Of course you were. And he was back. Uh, he was back. You know, after graduation, yelling at me, probably blacked out, drunk. And I was like, yeah. oh, Jonathan, "What's up, man?" I think he changed his number because then, like, I texted the next day, and I was like, "Ah, whatever." Like, I think I hit him up on Instagram a while ago. Um, I think while he was working at at, at Air Force, but. Um, I mean, I, I spent a little bit of time over there, you know, when I was a kid growing up. So, I mean, I grew up Air Force, so I was a little partial, but, you know. Wait, I did you grow up in Colorado Springs? I spent four years there, yeah. That's that's actually where I went to high school and whatnot in Colorado Springs. Where What high school? I went to Coronado High School. Okay. I went to, uh, when I was there, like, they just opened up Vista Ridge. Okay, got it. Just got by, it. Uh, by Sand Creek a little bit. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was kind of where I started freshman, sophomore year. That's so crazy. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, I actually I wrestled at the Olympic Training Center for for like majority of my my wrestling career. 
Okay. In, in like high school element or actually I started in elementary school and I wrestled uh, the, the women's team and they would beat my ass. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I got to a point to where I got too strong. And then I went, I transitioned into the, the men's team and just practiced. Like I was a practice dummy. I would just get tossed around and just throttled. But yeah, that's so crazy that, that you were probably there about the same time. You're uh, you're what as as old as Josh? Uh, yeah, Josh, you're 26, right? I'm 27. I got a year okay. on you, man. Okay, so he's got a year on me. So I, I graduated high school 2012. I was there 2000 2008. Wait, what doesn't make any sense? I was there 2006 to 2010. Cool. So yeah. So yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah. Nice, dude. So you alluded to it early. You said a lot has changed yeah. since uh, the good old college days. Um, last I heard, man, you were, uh, uh, we talked, you went to Exos, you got mm-hmm. some time there in Arizona. Maybe you can talk about that and uh, the experience you had there. And, dude, Arizona uh, was by far the best experience I've probably ever had. Um, okay. And maybe not ever had, but I feel very blessed to First of all, being at Oregon State, I felt blessed to be there, um, kind of looking around at how the other Pac-12 schools or Pac-10, whatever, um, how they all run their their collegiate departments. Um, but just having the opportunity to work at Oregon State and then going, you know, having Guido uh, as a mentor, essentially he was Guido's the one. Guido's the man. He's coming yeah. on and Guido. he's going to be in three or four, three or four episodes away. He's coming on. Oh, soon. there we go. Yeah. yeah Guido. The good old Guido Ben Reichen. He's a, he's a legend. Yeah, he really is. He, he, he just came out to us, I think, uh, back in January and did a little presentation for, for three days up with the Timbers. Here's the thing. I um, just want to like interject. Like he actually told us about coming to the Timbers and he, he taught a, um, a little keep workshop at a next level fitness. Like and me and Josh were there. That was back in January. Uh, I think last year. Yeah. The keep, uh, I remember doing that at Oregon state. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. Dude, that was, that was honestly the beginning of my journey because I right before I started that, um, I tore my shoulder labrum on my right side. And I'm like, uh, do and no. keep. And I'm like, man, I can't even do like this external rotation. Right. Like I couldn't even do basic stuff. doing band external rotation. Yeah, like the most, the most he's like. The mo- he's mobilizing your shoulder, you know. Yeah. And like, I remember doing that and I was starting at, at Oregon State. So I, I got to Oregon State 2014. And then I tore my shoulder labor. I'm like, unofficially, I never got an x-ray or MRI, um, but it was pretty messed up. Like, it was screwed up. Um, and I went to go see Guido because it was, you know, part of the facilities and it was free. Um, and I remember he was like uh, asking me, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, man, at the time, I think I'd like just gotten off CrossFit kick or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Many uh, of us in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, man, I think I want to be like a strength coach at the time. Like, I didn't even know what that was. I was just like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of going with the flow, what was happening. Um, he's like, no, not with that shoulder. Like he basically said I was screwed. (laughs) So that's when he told me, he's like, take my keep class. Um, and then I went to go see Jeff Macy at, uh, the performance center. And he's like, yeah, we can get you in August. Um, and I think that was in like four months. And so I spent every single day in the gym doing my keep program, learning that stuff, just basic rehab, doing it all myself, essentially. Uh, 
what's his name? I forget who he, he was with us at at Performance Centers. His last name was like Boosie. Oh, um, Philip Boosie. Philip, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Philip was actually like rehabbing me, and I had no idea what I was doing at the time. Dude, Philip's a uh, a a trauma nurse now. Yeah, he's a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was at uh he was at Exos around the same time you were there, and then I, I followed right you guys. I followed you guys uh one year later because I was a year behind in school. And I was going to go to Arizona mm -hmm. and then um, I saw that there was, they were doing the very first ever Portland Exos internship. And I was like, dude, days. I could keep doing trailblazers and do uh, Exos at the same time. And mm -hmm. you know, here we are uh, still in uh, Portland two years later. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to kind of get back to it, I, so I spent that year and a half at Oregon state um essentially basic basically just learning like their philosophy there you know olympic weightlifting you know get strong as fuck and just kind of go from there um but uh you know great people at oregon state like i really really thoroughly enjoyed working there and i felt like i learned a lot so moving to exos was like a good next step and i felt like i was given a good foundation and once i got to exos it was like 2017 um january and I was there for five weeks, there for five weeks. I was there 7 a.m. To, to 8 p.m. Just hanging out. Like I had the lightest load. Of, I remember when I got there and they, um, they gave us like our training schedule. Like you're working with these teams. I had the lightest load out of everyone there. And I was like, felt slightly disrespected when I was there. I was like, man, like I want to be working 24 seven. Right. Um, Where's the challenge? And, uh, What's up? Like, where, where's the uh, sort of incentive program to, to learn? Like, where's the challenge? Like, you kind of, you kind of expected more. Yeah, like I expected more, you know. Like, but that was that was like really like naive of me to think, you know, like that I had to be doing all this extra work to get to where I wanted to be. So, like after a couple of weeks, I was like, no, like this is a blessing. Like I have more time to actually connect with the athletes and connect with the coaching staff and learn the system that they're teaching me and after five weeks um eric dannenberg was the guy i was working with down in phoenix and you know he comes up to me and he says hey like do you want to go back up to portland like we might have an opportunity to go you know finish out your internship with the timbers um and i was like sick like phoenix is getting hot i want to get out of here it's february i grew up in alaska like right I'm not trying to trying to spend my summer in Phoenix, but uh, so it was initially going to be eight weeks. So I remember Dannenberg connected me with, you know, my boss now, Nick Malonis with the Timbers on like a Thursday or Friday. I get a call on Saturday and he's like, hey, can you be here on Tuesday? Heck yeah. So I packed up everything in my apartment. I ditched on Sunday. I drilled like 23 hours, 24 hours. Yeah. Got back up to Portland, started work on Wednesday. Nice, dude. Yeah. Nice to move. Ended up staying until, so it was supposed to be eight weeks and I was going to go down to Phoenix. Ended up finishing up the internship with Portland through June. Um, my first trip, I flew to LA like on Thursday. Started work Wednesday, flew to LA Thursday for a tournament. That was my first like experience on the job. 
and uh in july they just offered me offered me the job so then been here ever since they must have liked what they saw man you uh they they like the uh, they like the effort the the dedication the the skills. What do you think made you successful in that internship and and landed you an actual coaching position? Because there's a lot of a lot of people trying to get into strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. and there's even more people trying to get into strength and conditioning at the professional level. Mm-hmm. What set what do you think sets people apart? I think you gotta. It sounds bad to a certain extent, but you there's part of there's part of the industry where you have to look the part but really what it comes down to is practicing what you preach like all of us in this industry know that the best way to learn like how your athlete is feeling is to do what you're asking the athlete to do yep like that's ultimately how you're going to be able to connect with them and communicate um and so when i was down in phoenix i think i felt that's what made me successful at oregon state was doing the philosophy that was being taught there right then i went to phoenix and i was like okay open mind what's the philosophy and then i'm gonna learn as much as i can right and then it was like every single day i was doing something you know whether it was movement skills, strength training concepts, you know, ESD work. I was doing everything. Right. And I was essentially working out like all day. And, and it's and exhausting. People that don't know that's energy development systems, guys. Yes. Energy system development. Yeah, energy on, system guys. development. Come, Come on, on Josh, get it together. Um, <laughs> but really like you need to practice what you preach and you can't be tied down to one philosophy. Like, don't don't have the blinders on and say like this is the way you know mandalorian style like this is the only <laughs> I was, I was you know i'm never gonna there. i'm never gonna take my helmet off and this is the only way right like, you need to you need to have an open mind and start to learn like the fundamentals of what you're actually trying to accomplish you know right. not looking at it from i need to do this exercise to get this result but looking at it from like a holistic point of view, you know, cause ultimately there's, there's a million, there's a million different solutions that can work, but not every solution is going to work in every single case. Right. Like you have to be able to have this toolbox, but you need to have a system to organize the tools in a way to attack specific problems in specific moments. So you know, practicing what you preach and actively doing the work is ultimately what's going to help you understand your toolbox better so that you know when to apply. Does that kind of make sense? So it's just kind of down in Phoenix, it was just like, I'm going to, or I'm going to absorb as much information as I can. And then I'm going to apply as much as I can. Right. You know, I think back to, uh, what Mike always used to say, and he, he did it, he, many times, he, during the spring, before he was building the summer off-season program for his wrestlers, would beat the crap out of himself, putting himself through those ridiculous programs for these, these athletes that need a, a, a ton of grip training. And 
you know, a ton of deadlifts and a ton of these, these, uh, you know, systemically taxing exercises. And he would put himself through that. So he knew at least the best that he could simulate what those athletes were going through. Is that what you're talking about, Ian? I mean, on the surface level, yeah. Like, you don't, you don't have to like do every single workout you prescribe your athletes, you know. Be, but you need be, to, uh, tough. <laughs> yeah, but but you need to like be aware of how you know. Ultimately, this is this is where I think Exos gets a lot of flack, but also is a little misunderstood. Exos, yeah. Gotta get to bed. Do so, that last time, Trevor. Come on, man. <laughs> seven I always forget. I always forget. No, it's I'm in Texas, so it's okay, it's, it's later here. Five, yeah, ten o'clock. Um. So ultimately, like, so Exos is a training system, right? They're not. They're not like a. They're not dictators in their philosophy. They're not like you have to do this this way. They're, they're just an organization that is finally in a, the best organization that I've been able to find like in America that has essentially commercialized their product in a way where they can present it to everyone and say like, hey, this is how we view, you know, all of these different tools and how we feel they are best organized. And then they present it to their audience and, you know, their coaches and they implement it that certain way but right. ultimately it's a system and it's an organization of tools that provides you know the strength coach like myself a framework to then build off of Absolutely. you know and so that's ultimately it wasn't like oh dannenberg and in, in phoenix is doing it this way so i have to do it this way or you know nick is doing it this way it's more of like now we have this common language and this common ground that we can more or less agree on and then work from there and ultimately that communication is what's going to set you up for success in terms of communicating with your athletes communicating coach to coach coach to uh to medical professional pt cairo atc you know doctor um and this is where the team setting starts to play in but you know i think it's really important that we have a system that allows us to organize our tools so that we can, you know, serve our athletes better. Right. Right. And it's not, you know, X strength coach philosophy against another. That's mm -hmm. Exos has done a fantastic job of providing a standardized high level product mm -hmm. to, you know, sports organizations, as well as um, corporations for corporate fitness you know what you're going to get and you know the level of um, instruction you're going to get from an Exos professional. It's, mm -hmm. um, and it's standardized across the board. I, I totally agree with you in the way that they're able to lay out all the different tools that we have as strength and conditioning professionals to help our clients. It, it makes it so much more simple and you're able to, um, I guess, wade through a lot of the um, unnecessary uh, you know, lingo or unnecessary, like there's not like a, you know, like a lot, so many people are like the kettlebell guy or the Olympic lifting guy. It's another, <laughs> right. It's another, 
it's another modality to help your clients get bigger, faster, stronger. Exactly. Exactly. Something I can see with, with you Ian, is I, I feel like you're, you're pulling things from, from just about every, every place you've been, like you, you're relating back to, to Guido, you're relating back to Oregon state, you're relating back to, to Arizona. And you're not, you're not just focusing in on one thing. It's like, Oh, this is my, this is my methodology. It's just like, you're, you're pulling all these, all, all these in all these experience experiences that you've been through. And it's like, you're, you're very open-minded with your, your training style. I can, I can tell. And you're also decisive. You're, you're just like, this mm-hmm. is how it's going to happen. We're going to do it this way. And it's, I, I can, I can see why you're successful, honestly. And that, that comes with experience, you know, like yeah. when I was, I mean, there was a part of me when I was at Oregon state, I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is the way, you know? And as I've started to learn more and more, like going to, I think it, it didn't fully click until I was here with the timbers where it was like, okay, you know, so everyone at the Timbers um, were all Exos trained. So when I got there, we were still under contract with Exos and technically I was like an Exos employee working for the Timbers. Um, And so, you know, Nick Malonis, Charles Burdick, who was Oregon State at the time when I was there, Casey Sullivan, um, Oregon State as well. We had Greg Wakefield, who was Oregon State. Wait, Casey's over at the Timbers now? No, he, he was, he, Oh, gotcha. Now he's, is he still he two years ago? Okay. Okay. Um, but you know, we're all Exos is Exos is our, you know, Exos is our baseline in terms of our terminology and how we organize all the tools we have at our disposal. Cause I mean, we have, we have so many gadgets. We have, we have Sparta jump, which we use, you know, to, to, uh, to essentially objectify movement profiles for athletes and, and sort of get a database that way. So we can then bucket athletes and, and get really specific, really fast in our training. So like Sparta jump is just one tool. Um, you know, we have all these assessment tools that we use Omega wave, you know, we do the basic FMS, SFMA, um, you know, we have FRC, we have all this stuff. We just got synaptic. So, now we're taking into consideration, you know, vision and, and its effect on the total body and the total system. Um, we have, you know, Kangatech, which is essentially, you know, an isokinetic machine where we're able to measure, you know, I'm pretty sure we can measure every single joint at every single angle we want um, and then get objective data that way. But all of these tools that I've learned that we have access to in the professional environment are useless without a system and will only take up time if we don't have a language that we can all, you know, you know, communicate with. So that's where Exos is our background and that's our baseline. And so we use that and then we say, okay, this is our system. Now, how can we, you know, add more tools or make our existing tools more efficient and effective, you know? And so that's where, <clears throat> that's where I think the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest benefit of that excess training system uh, lies essentially. It allows your, your coaches to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. Cause we have, exactly. We have to communicate to, to PTs, you know, we have an in-house PT, 
our ATCs, we have to communicate with them. Um, our coaching staff, te technical staff, uh, you know, and then various, you know, uh, indirect staff, like a GM or an assistant GM or, or whatever, um, we have to be able to communicate. So it's really important that from an organizational perspective, we have everything organized in a way that we can present information. It's, it's all essentially the same. Um, just maybe coming from a different person because we, again, we have that common language. So being able to articulate the tools that you have in your toolbox, Ian, mm -hmm. and showing that you knew the, you knew the whole groundwork of all the exercises, like, you know, Olympic lifting and so on, and being able to just like articulate that information to, you know, the general managers or the head coach and to other PTs, like, that must have been what the Timbers, you know, saw in you. That's why you were hired on. When, well, obviously when we communicate, you know, there's certain, there's different levels of communication between different individuals, um, you know, in the depth of communication that you go through. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak, you know, the same lingo that I would speak to, you know, to, you know, like Charles or something, who's a performance coach with us for the first team the same way I would like a technical coach. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately as a team, we have a, we have um, very similar, like open-minded thought process, but we all, you know, and we all have different like strengths and different, you know, weaknesses. And so when we try to organize the team, especially like you know, Nick as the, the head of performance for the Timbers, he's always, he's looking, you know, whenever, um, you know, he's organizing the team as a whole, he's looking like, you know, what am I deficient in and what are you proficient in? And then how do you slide into certain roles to then lift everyone up? Um, but, you know, to answer your question about like, why you know why they chose me or, or whatever um i think it just comes down to and this kind of goes back to what we said before like for especially young professionals the first of all becoming a performance coach or strength coach is like not a glamorous job <laughs> like you're not going to get paid very well um you know you might have to move across the country to get a half decent job um, and then if you do get a, you know, this high level job, that's like some division one school, like USC or whatever, or you get a professional job, you know, you're going to work long hours and it's, you know, the environment is extremely demanding, um, and highly competitive. So <clears throat> I feel like the people that stick out the most are a, the ones that, that practice what they preach. And the ones that can be, you know, that can filter out the fluff and they can organize the, the information in a way that is efficient and that they can apply um, across, you know, a million different constraints. Because ultimately, <clears throat> like sport is chaos. So you have to be able to, to 
receive a situation, be able to look at it, you know, from the outside and see everything that's going on and then be able to understand what you need to do to accomplish, you know, the goal that you're trying to, to achieve. Um, so someone that has the practical experience to organize their thoughts and their tools and everything, put it to, in a package efficiently and then apply that is who's going to be the most successful. Um, and so I, I just think that a lot of people in the industry get really caught up in the fancy stuff and they don't truly develop their ability to like deeply understand what is actually going on from um what is the the day-to-day -day of developing a soccer athlete as opposed to maybe what, what's unique about it what is uh you know there's so, there's so many types of athletes you know generally we all have human bodies right and you need you to develop certain qualities um but what what are some of the unique things in the world of strength and conditioning for soccer I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily soccer. And I think, you know, ultimately sport is just an expression of the body in a specific way to that, the demands of that sport, right? You know, if I look at basketball or if I look at, you know, football, what are the demands of that sport? And I could say, well, basketball is a little bit more continuous than football. You know, football, there's various positions that they all have different demands. Um, but ultimately the, the common ground that every sport has is the body is what's facilitating the action in that sport. And so it's not necessarily that there's, you know, everyone gets caught up in like sports specific, but really it's, it's movement specific because ultimately your capacity to move is what's gonna dictate how your body can facilitate your sport in a sense. So it's like, you know, part of the exos education um, is what we call the, the global movement themes. And it's breaking down move, movement into to two categories. There's flexion rotation and extension rotation. And so now that we can, that's a way to, to categorize everything that we do. It's, it's like oversimplistic, right? Right. But when you, you can break it down joint by joint and whatever, and you can see that, you know, based on how the body is organized, that there is this bird's eye view of human movement that is organized in a specific way because of how the body is organized. And that's how we've broken down um, <clears throat> flexion rotation and extension rotation. So when you look at it from that perspective, you're able to really see more from a movement perspective. You start to look at movement from, sounds silly, but a movement perspective and not like a muscle focus or, you know, I'm developing, you know, my bicep or I'm developing my quad. Really, it's knee extension or hip flexion, right? To a certain extent. You get so, away from the bodybuilding mindset, which is in 
basically inserted itself into so many um, concepts in, in the industry and you get focused on improving movement quality. More joint specific and more you know, movement specific. And that's not to say that bodybuilding is, bodybuilding is just a modality. It's just an organization of, of you know, you know, a specific training style, if that makes sense. You know, it's not to say that bodybuilding is, is wrong in any way. It's just that if you want to get really specific to like developing, you know, the size of your bicep or the tone of your bicep or whatever, then you're, there's going to be a give and take, you know, when you start isolating at the muscle and not necessarily like the holistic, like joint view or global movement thing, things view. Um, but on the flip side, the muscle is not what's communicating to the brain. It's ultimately the joint. Right. So how the joint is in the rotational capacity of that joint and its ability to move is going to dictate how much tissue you can actually have access to and lay down to develop, say, your bicep. So that shoulder rotational capacity and range of motion is going to dictate its ability to function optimally and communicate to all of the tissue that's connecting into that shoulder girdle to then allow for, you know, the desired, um, like the desired effect to, to take place. Kind of get what I'm saying. So it's, I don't mean to interrupt, like, you know, all connected tissue, wouldn't you involve muscle in that muscle in your nerves? Like it's all connected. Right, but it has to be funneled through one spot, right? Mm -hmm. So it gets funneled at, and how that joint through the afferent and efferent feedback is communicating from the brain. Like oh, this, this goes back to sort of like functional range conditioning. Uh, have you guys taken that? Josh, have you taken that yet? Andrew, Dr. Uh, Andrew Espina. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so just the first course I've, I haven't I've taken. A little bit. So it's, and again, the more you kind of like, really dive deep into it. All FRC is, is an organization of modal of a, of a specific training modality that's been around forever. Bodybuilders are really, really good at it. They train really, really slow. Right. I mean, cause that way they can actually feel what is going on and they can, they can like pinpoint, you know, they can isolate, uh, certain movements. Um, and, you know, so FRC, I got a little sidetracked here, but FRC is really just, if you want, and this is Guido's concept as well, if you want to actually make change, then you have to train slow. If you train slow, then you're going to actually feel what's going on. And that's how the brain is going to learn. You kind of look at it from that holistic view of, Nobody comes out of the womb sprinting, right? There's a process right. and you go from slow to fast, simple to complex. And FRC is just that from a very, you know, in a very specific manner, they have like pails and rails and hovers and, and liftoffs and all this like jargon, which is cars, you know, whatever. It's their language, um, like an exos training system. It's their language. But fundamentally, it's all the same. Just their 
they're very, very specific in isolating like the shoulder or the elbow or the, the wrist. You know, they're very good at that. But when you look at it from like a global movement perspective, you know, it's all essentially the same. The body's not moving, you know, any different. It's just, you know, everyone has a different, you know, flavor that they like more than the other. Um, I don't know if that answers the question or whatever we were talking about. <laughs> right, definitely. Specifically, uh, how, how, you, how you would train a, you know, soccer athlete versus another athlete. You have to look at the individual. You have to look at what is the movement you need. Well, you, you would need hip and knee extension to be powerful, right? You would need um, you'd be able to sprint fast, multi-directionally, right? So you're looking at all these different movement patterns and, and you can assess the, the athlete's weaknesses and strengths and, and build mm -hmm. uh, you know, a program to elicit the, you know, the training outcome that you would like. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so I mean, so yeah, so yeah, you, you can look at it. I remember what we were talking about now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's you're smoking some of that good stuff. <laughs> sometimes I swear I just start talking and then I just go on different rails and I just keep on talking. Um, hey, which is great, man. That's what we need. So, so yeah, everyone gets caught up in sports specific, right? Like soccer, basketball, football, um, whatever sport it is, everyone gets caught up. Let's do sports specific work, sports specific work. But, and this is what I mentioned earlier. Ultimately, what comes down to is that the body's capacity to move does not change um, regardless of the sport that you're doing. What, what is changing is your expression of that movement and the force at which you're, you're exerting to complete a given task. So, so when you look at it from that way, it's like how we package things at the timbers or whatever, if you're FRC, whatever. First of all, you, as a practitioner, you need to find a way to efficiently organize all of your tools because ultimately time is your enemy and you don't have 24 hours a day to do a million pails and rails and hovers and liftoffs with your athletes when you have 20 athletes to work with in a right. 15 minute window. So you have to find a way that you can get bang for your buck for your exercises. But also if you look at it from sports specific, then you're immediately closing yourself off to to everything outside of what you deem to be sport specific. Does that make sense? That does. So yeah. this kind of goes back to being, having an open mind and understand what are you really accomplishing in the task that you're doing? So if you look at it from, if I need to kick a ball or let's take acceleration for an example, you know, if I start in, uh, let's say just a, like a, like a high split stance and it's like a falling start. So I'm falling forward, pushing off the front leg. When I'm loading that front leg, that is just isometric control in hip flexion and internal rotation. So now you break that down into smaller components. Okay. What is, what is facilitating that hip inflection and internal rotation? And if you do assessments on your athletes, then you can see where their deficits are. But, and then you can, then from there, if you have this holistic approach, then you can organize training to get the most out of your movements 
if you have, say, only 15 minutes of pillar prep. You know, at the Timbers, we have 15 to 20 minutes of pillar prep before training every single day, where we're essentially teaching the athletes, like, hey, you're about to go on the field and chaos is about to happen for an hour and a half. So what are you doing outside of the movement prep or the, the warm-up that I'm doing to prepare yourself for that hour and a half? And it's more so about building habits like, hey, I'm about to do work and entropy is about to go through the fucking roof. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing to put in good input to build essentially better motor patterns to support all of that chaos and to help give myself a buffer for all of that shit that's about to happen, you know? And then we, then we have training, we have the 20 minute movement session or whatever we train, uh, we come into the gym, we might have a lift. Um, but ultimately it's like, look at it from a movement perspective and training for whatever sport gets much more clear. Because as soon as you start thinking like sports specific for basketball or, or whatever, you're starting to miss the point. You know, you're starting to, to isolate yourself in, in this really, really small box and, and thinking that I need to do everything basketball related. When ultimately basketball is, is what they're trying, that's the goal is to be the best basketball player they can be but the body is facilitating basketball. Right. So do you need more basketball or basketball specific work? Or do you just have to make sure that they have the capacity to execute the tasks that they're doing on a daily basis, whatever the sport is, wrestling, whatever. You just have to make sure they have the strength and capacity to do that work in the best way possible um, so that they can have long-term success. And this is what I try to preach to preach to our youth athletes. Like when I was 13 or 14, I wish I had someone like me to, to like give me all this feedback to what I'm doing and, and help me like take care of my body. You know, like I had to learn the hard way. I would say 99% of people learn the hard way. Like I tore my shoulder labrum, whatever. Sure. Everyone here, like Josh, you tore your hips. Like, you know, shit happens but you know and this is part of my theory as to why you know Cristiano Ronaldo LeBron James are playing at a higher level older than everyone else it's because they've they've realized that ultimately the body is what's going to dictate whether or not they can still play basketball right so if they don't take care of that then they lose what they love and the sooner yeah. you start, Make the sooner you humans. start, yeah, the sooner you start, you know, I always talk about, you know, like daily pillar prep and I, I relate it to myself, you know, as like an entropy check or whatever. So, you know, kind of explaining like, hey, there's a million ways that shit can go wrong, but there's really only one way for, or very few ways for it to go right. So I need to put in as much of that good input in as possible to give me a buffer for all the shit that I'm about to do, which is sport. You're priming your body. So if you have sleepy glutes, you know, you can, you can, you know, maybe do some glute activation exercises 
if your low back um, is compensating, you know, maybe you can do some type of uh, side plank or something to try to try to turn on um, some type of, of deep core core muscles. Uh, all, all of these priming movements to prime the body to, to work uh, more efficiently for whatever activity you're about to do. It's right. not, it's not only priming, but he was talking about deficiencies in, in the movements that the athletes are doing and something that like a really good nugget that you, you threw in there is, is kind of like not, not having that lens, not having that lens of like, Oh, this is soccer. Only soccer movements need to be done. But it's like, if, if this guy's, if this guy, like his drive on his, on his kick is, is not as, as well as it or is not as good as it should be, then you can break down the, the movement and then you can find where the, where that deficiency is coming from. And then you have this whole array of, of movements that or motions or strengthening exercises that you can do without that lens. But if you go into that lens, it's like, okay, you just need to do more kicking drills. It's like, no, that's not, that's not how he's going to get better. You need to focus on the specific. It's pretty crazy. Right. It's, it goes back to, and this is again, something that, you know, I think a lot of people forget is if you train the movement, then you will train the muscle. But if you train the muscle, then you forget the movement. Right. So if you really, and ultimately whatever training you're doing, that's what the brain is adapting to. So, and this is why you see, you know, you go back to whatever training, you want to be a power lifter, you want to be, you know, a bodybuilder, or you want to be, you know, an Olympic weightlifter, you know, what you do is what you get. So, um, but making sure on my end, making sure that the athlete just has the capacity to do the work and whether or not they have the motor skill to perform that movement is, is ultimately up to the task. Like, what are they doing? Like if half, a lot of soccer players don't know how to throw a baseball. That's not to say that they're not athletic, you know, it's because they're kicking a ball all day. And the only throwing they do is when they go two hands overhead. So, you know, but as long as the athlete has the rotational capacity at the shoulder joint, to do that work and everywhere else, if I still pattern in, you know, if I go back to the global movement themes of, you know, shoulder flexion, external rotation, shoulder extension, internal rotation, which we see in sprinting and acceleration and every movement we do just to a certain extent, you know, depending on the movement, if I, if I pattern the movement, then I can make sure that they still have the capacity to do that work. It just comes down to motor skill acquisition. And if they're specifically soccer players, then yeah, they probably won't know how to throw a baseball really well. But that doesn't like, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the basketball player. Like he's an MVP, but he can't swing a bat. And you're telling like, but there's people giving him flack, like, oh, like how, how can he not hit a baseball? Like, right hitting a baseball is the hardest thing there is in sport. Like, like when uh, Kevin Durant couldn't bench press 135. Guys, no, none of you that bench press 135 are going to be anywhere near as good at Kevin Durant at basketball. Just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or when uh, LeBron James like quarter squatted, you know, back squats, which is like going part of the way down. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just comes, but I guarantee you LeBron James has, you know, and there's a certain level of, 
you know, a point of diminishing returns. Like, does LeBron James need to be able to squat Astagrass? Like, does he need that much mobility? No, like he would probably lose power and he would lose some explosiveness. And Especially with femurs that long. Yeah, if you have long femurs, like, like I have crazy long legs and like, you know, just is what it is. It's, but, you know, going back to it, you know, if you focus on the movement, you will train the muscle. But if you focus on the muscle, then you'll forget the movement. And ultimately then, then that's where you start to see breakdown. So, you know, that's why, you know, a bodybuilder is not going to be the best sprinter, you know, or a powerlifter is not going to be the best, like, you know, baseball thrower, whatever. It's just because they're not training that movement. It's not to say that it's like wrong or it's whatever people want to do with their training, but from a sport perspective, they have to be able to do, you know, you look at soccer, you look at uh, football, especially from like a, like a wide receiver, a defensive back, um, safety linebacker. Um, you look at all these different sports and there are certain individuals within certain sports that essentially need to be able to do everything. So, and you just, you can't, you know, going back to what you said, uh, Josh, you know, about if you have low back discomfort or pain, then you have to look at, you know, what is causing, this is where assessments come in. You know, you have to be able to assess your athlete and receive the information and then say, okay, if let's look at like, you know, the FMS, whatever, if we have an athlete who has pain on what, what's the part of the FMS, the, lumbar extension, the, the prone, the prone back extension, whatever. So if you have pain in the prone back extension, you know, then you have to look at, okay, first of all, you find out what movements are causing the pain. You develop a sort of, from, from a timbers perspective, we develop a sort of, okay, where are they lacking from this global movement system perspective? Because every time I take a step forward, flexion, rotation, internal rotation is that global movement theme on that one side. And then it immediately transfers to extension rotation, extension, external rotation to the opposite direction. Right. So whenever, so a more clear example would be, let's say we have someone who lacks internal rotation on their right shoulder. So we look at what happens when the shoulder goes into internal rotation on that right side. On the right side, they go internal rotation, they're back in extension, and they're up in flexion, internal rotation on this right hip, that same side hip, and they're in extension, external rotation on the contralateral side. So now we bucketed this athlete into a very general view, right? It's a very basic view. But now that I can see this profile in, you know, if he's lacking that internal rotation on that right shoulder, how is that? how is the organization of that shoulder affecting the rib cage? How is it affecting the hip? How is it affecting the foot? But now that we have this, this sort of bucketed viewpoint of the athlete, now we can start to get specific. Right. But if we start to get, you know, specific first, then we start to lose like 
like what path are we really on? You know, it's hard, you know, like we have to zoom out and see the full picture first and then we can zoom in. You know, if I'm on a telescope and I just go balls to the wall on magnification, like I'm gonna miss everything out there except for what I'm seeing in that tiny little hole at that specific moment in time. Right. But if I zoom out first, then I can start to see the, the whole picture and, the, and then I can say, oh, there's a deficiency there. And then I can zoom in. You know, so it's about, first of all, like assessments are really good, but having a system in place where you can get this sort of overall picture you know, if you do FRC, they have the FRA, which is, right. it's just an assessment of every single joint. And they have it, you know, they have a systematic approach. Um, <clears throat> but, but doing that assessment, getting the total picture, then allows you to see everything. So you know where to get specific. And then when you focus on movement, you will, you won't train everything and you won't forget, you know, the glute meat or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? So this is the, uh, this is the evolution of the strength and performance coach. It's not uh, all right, boys, you're going to do uh, five sets of five bench press clean and squat today, you know, and then we're going to do 16 suicides and get out, you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the industry is becoming more high tech every day. You know, you're saying uh, you guys were using several different. Uh, I mean, we almost have to, like. Right. The sp Sparta jump. And what was the other one? Um, assessing uh, your nervous system's readiness, mm -hmm. right? So there's, a, I mean, we have so many tools, but ultimately it's like, I have, I have kind of this theory on, you know, because I specifically work in youth development. Um, so with the academy, we have these players, we, we groom them within a system to hopefully become a pro on our first team right. and it's the education is next level in terms of like if I'm a parent I want my kid to go to you know an academy to train because they're going to have all the tools you need and if it's a good academy then ultimately they're going to have a system in place to you know it's like grooming someone to be who you want them to be you know to a certain extent but at the end of the day athletes are athletes and you know they are it is what it is but you know getting back to um youth development especially now kids are so far removed from from life itself. Like, and I'm not talking, you know, life as it is now, but life as it was 20 years ago. And like how, how you grew up, Josh and, and Trevor and, and Connor, like we grew up completely different. Running outside, shooting each other with BB guns. Right. <laughs> kids, kids don't do that. Right. So, they're on their phone, their iPad all the time. So like the mean average of, athleticism and you know capacity to do work within youth to me is like the level is dropping right and we're getting more and more like 
negative input into the system of staring at a computer screen. Now we, they can't even go outside half the time, you know, like there's so many restrictions and, and it's just the evolution of like urbanization and its effect on the human population. Um, but kids nowadays, like they're getting sports specific at like age 10 and it's not necessarily like, out by oh, 16. Yeah, that's rough. Like, it's not, it's not bad. Like it's, I'm not saying you can't pick a sport that you want to be the best at, at that age, but there's, there's not a big understanding of like what you're losing by doing the same thing over and over. Um, so, but really what I'm trying to get back to is like youth nowadays are so like their, their toolbox is just so much smaller and it's they only, have, they don't have the same software up here telling them like no same movement library, you know, they didn't exactly. grow up playing tree, you know, climbing trees and playing tag. And those are exactly. essential skills you develop at that age to be able to transition into sports. Exactly. And so, you know, I mean, just look at, just look at the evolution of shoes, right. You know, like wearing shoes and its effect on your ability to sprint. You know, I mean, there was a recent study. I don't know how recent it was, but essentially it looked at, it was like a four year study and it looked at sprinting and vertical jump performance in kids who wear shoes and kids who don't wear shoes. And they found that kids who don't wear shoes, <clears throat> they had a more four foot strike when they sprinted. So now they're striking more underneath them and there's less braking forces during the sprint. And so they had faster sprint times, better biomechanics and an increased vertical jump. And essentially what's that, what that's telling us is that having a shoe on, which can be like the ultra boosts or whatever, which are soft sold. I remember the first time I put on ultra boost, like I didn't know where my foot was in space. <laughs> so like, a cast. It's, exactly. And so what happens at the nervous system level is now you're not getting any feedback to that foot. And especially if it's compressed, now you're not getting that foot is essentially becoming like a club. Right. And now your brain is having to be like, Oh shit, like what's going on. And so what it, what it, you know, naturally does is it tenses up. Like when we get scared, we go into the fetal position, which is just flexion all over the place. Cause that's where, that's where we spent nine months in the womb. Like, again, I'm just, that's off the head, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, you look at that perspective, you know, walking on concrete all day or staying inside your house, like never touching the actual earth. Um, you know, that's a whole different topic. Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go is fantastic. <laughs> I remember. Best. Have you played? I remember uh, that. That was back at Corvallis. Like, yeah, I remember when that came out. Man. I remember that came out. It was summer, yeah, summer 2016. Yep. And that, that was summer, first... all I did was watch Dragon Ball Z, work three days a week at Target, and play Pokemon Go. Is that not the best life? <laughs> I remember I would go to facility at, at OSU Performance Center. Oh, and, I went there too. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, you, would, you were there for sure. And I would do whatever job I had to do that day. And then I would work out and then I would go play Pokemon Go. That's a good way to get gamify getting steps and activity. It, yeah. And being able to like 
I think what I see in union is your ability to systematize all that information and articulate it to youth. Like what accomplishment are you most, like was there a time where you're like, damn, I'm proud of what I did with the youth academy over, the, over at the Timbers? Like, um, so we just recently had a goalie get signed um, a few, like a couple months ago. Uh, his name's Hunter. And uh, signed him to like a, like a five-year deal, which is massive. Um, and he's, he's 18. I think he might be – he's a 2002. So that would make him 18, turning 19. Um, he's young. And he came to us when he was – I think he came to us when he was 13. I started working with him when he was 14 because I've been with Timbers four years now going on – little over four years um getting old bro i know i'm getting so old i don't feel old because i hang out with kids all day so it's like keep you young man i swear sometimes i come home and alexa's like yo why are you talking like that because i'm like speaking their lingo sometimes it's bad um it keeps me young but anyway so this kid working with him for four years and i think that's that's what i enjoy the most about being on the development side First of all, development doesn't really exist in America, um, especially when you look at it. Like, it's hard to know that when you don't work in the environment that I work in. Um, but you look at like the NFL draft or the the you look at look at the NBA draft. Like these kids, they play AAU ball, and then some of them just get drafted after their first year of college. But the, the education, like the system education that they've, you know, that essentially like we offer, that essentially Europe um, or South America offers, you know, from the age of like seven is non-existent in America. You know, getting that holistic education on this is everything that it takes to get to where you want to be. And we're going to start grooming you from the age of seven. Um, that just doesn't exist. And there's no education on, you know, you hear like, oh, LeBron James spends $2 million a year on his body, like whatever, um, to me is detrimental to um, actually teaching kids that they're in control of their body. You don't need $2 million a year to take care of yourself. Right. Because ultimately the brain, you know, and by actively doing is what's going to teach your brain, you know, how to organize your body and stay healthy. You know, there's tools, there's a massage gun. I can go get a massage, but ultimately what is a massage doing for me? Down regulating the nervous system for three minutes or whatever. If I don't actively do the work, then my body's just going to revert back to what it was. So teaching that, you know, going back to Hunter, being able to have an impact and provide value to this kid's life and then ultimately see him achieve his goals is like the best feeling ever. Right. You know, awesome. and I'm not going to like, you know, and I've rehabbed him from a low back injury and I rehabbed him from, from a knee injury. And, you know, I think rehab and then seeing him succeed and he's still like just beginning you know, he's 18. I kind of, I kind of all the like four or five years of education and grooming 
that's set him up for that success. He's like a, in terms of the education and his ability to like understand what's going on, he's like a decade ahead of the average American, you know? Um, But, and he's still so young, like he's six, seven, he's 200 pounds. That's why our athletes are so messed up at such a young age. We destroy our athletes here. Yeah. He's got so much room. I, whenever I look at our kids, I'm like, what are you going to look like? I try my best to see like, what are you going to look like when you're 22 or 23? Cause that's when people really start to like, you start to really see at that age, you know, that was kind of my example. Like I didn't hit puberty till I was like freaking 17. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's really important in the youth space to have a lot of patience and be able to look at an athlete and project him out, you know, where is he going to be when he's 22, 23? And then that really allows you to take a step back and understand where he is. And now you can see every single step or have a better picture of every single step that he needs to take to get to where, you know, he can potentially be. Right. And so there's a lot of value in the youth space. And I think America has, so much room to grow because right now everyone just sees like the shiny picture. They just see like, you know, LeBron James coming out of high school and he's a freak athlete or LaMelo ball or whatever, you know, they, they see like people don't see the grind and they ultimately only see like what people post on Instagram but say that right like what i see these kids and what we're asking these kids to do and helping them accomplish is so much more like so much more than what you see like on social media it it takes a it takes a special person you know 0.1% of 1% become a professional um and you start to see common traits like every homegrown player the timbers have signed they all have common traits and there's kids that, you know, don't believe in some of those, you know, characteristics that these kids have been signed, um, have, but, uh, that's why they didn't make it. You know, <laughs> that's reality. <laughs> that's part of it. Straight to your face. I think your contribution is going to be laying the groundwork and setting a blueprint so that, you know, America can get the development for, for young athletes to perform better, not to be broken when they're 22, but to excel just like Hunter did. So I just want to congratulate you on that accomplishment. That's huge. I don't want yeah, to take all awesome. time, Ian. No, I'm so having fun. You, I'm so chilling. You said uh, 7.30 a second ago, but I, I got one more question for you here. Uh, what, uh, what can young athletes, coaches um, that are listening to this podcast, what resources, um, would you recommend whether they're books or online coaching resources to try and, um, and get some of that information and that grooming that uh, all these athletes have at the Academy? I think for the athlete, I don't know for the athlete, it's hard. There's so much. I'll say for the coach, 
for the coach, ultimately you need, you know, this is my personal philosophy, but you just need to start. You, first of all, you need to get out there and you need to start like actually doing, you know, you don't need to read every single book uh, out there on strength and conditioning by the top guys. You know, right. you don't need to, you don't need to read triphasic training to understand what's actually being accomplished in triphasic training. You, you can know. get that in a 10 minute video without reading the book. It's that yeah. wide. You can go on YouTube and you can learn a lot more. Um, right. But no, what, what I'm ultimately saying is that you need to actually practice. You know, there's no experience better than actually coaching. And that's something that I'm super grateful for in the academy is I get a million reps. Like I get physically exhausted, you know, on some days because I'm working with so many kids. Um, like right now we have U19, 17s, 15s, but, you know, if you, first of all, don't be locked into one training style. You know, if you come from a bodybuilding background, don't be stuck in that. You know, you don't, you know, you could try powerlifting, try Olympic lifting. You can try, you know, a movement session on the field. You know, that's something that I pride myself in and being really good at is being able to, to move well on the field and ultimately that comes down to you know practice what you preach and if you do that then you're going to be able to get experience while you're coaching and learn how to filter bad information and not only learn when to act but learn when not to act because you don't need to intervene in every single context you know you need to learn you know through experience, which again comes down to get out there and start coaching, you know, through experience, get a deeper understanding of what is actually going on in all of these different environments, you know, and there might be some environments that are just dog shit, you know, like they're just not conducive to learning or maybe the people there don't even have an understanding of what they're doing, but at least you're learning maybe what not to do but you can't do that unless you actually get out there and start coaching and start doing um and building up that filter um in that system that works for yourself so that's what i'd say is probably the, you know really important for a coach for an athlete i think it just comes down to <clears throat> like you've got to respect the grind but you also need to like, don't be afraid to dream big. You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, I have, I have really high expectations of myself in that, you know, I don't compare myself to anyone else, you know, and what they're doing and what someone, I compare myself to myself. And if you just strive on getting better, 1% every day, you know, like imagine, imagine if you didn't get like, look at the weekly report on your iPhone. Like how much time are you spending on your iPhone a day? And then how much of that is broken up into non-productive work? I know mine on some days can be like stupid high, you know, <laughs> you know like I've been, I've been reading, I've been reading like 
about Bitcoin for the past six months. Um, but Ian's getting rich, guys. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's the wave. It's the wave. It's the way of the future. You could, you could read about it until you get an Instagram notification when you click on it. What's up? I said you can read about Bitcoin until you get an Instagram notification. And then you click yeah. on that, and then you're on your phone for another 10 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's something that preached to, to, my, to my athletes, you know. First of all, I try to teach them holistically what is going on in everything we're doing. And I try to break it down as simple as I can, but only focus on yourself and be real with where you're at in the moment. So if you're not real with where you're at in the moment, then, then you're, you, wherever you start, if you're not real with yourself, it's not going to be optimal for, for your performance. You know, take, take example, like if I can't snatch, you know, perfectly and I just get pissed off that I can't snatch perfectly and I start snatching more and I don't break it down into its fundamental components to support that overarching movement, then I'm never going to improve. So ultimately you have to be real with where you're at in the moment. So you know where to start and then you have to trust the process and only compare yourself to yourself but also recognize, you know, recognize, first of all, that step, that next step, recognize what you need to do to accomplish that. But also you can still have that. If you don't dream big, then as soon, like, I believe that if you have like little tiny goals, you know, it's cool, but if don't get satisfied with accomplishing the really, really small goals, you know, be satisfied with the process itself, you know, and respect that and understand that. And then just focus on getting that 1% better every day. And when you compound that over 365 days a year, you spend 20 minutes a day on your body for 365 days a year. Like you're going to be a hell of a lot better than if you did an hour once a week, just when you remember, you know, absolutely. So building those habits and just, just dose in a little bit every single day and zoom out. And in five years, when you look down, you're going to see that you are like miles ahead of everyone else. So I mean, Kelly Tourette says that all the time uh, for mobility. He'd rather have you do 10 minutes a day, mm -hmm. than two hours, once a week, you know, it, yeah, just, just a small habit. Um, wait, well, I said the word right there. If you build a habit, it's, it's, it's hardly work anymore. You know, you're in the habit of doing it already. Exactly. Um, if you can just make yourself do something for two or three weeks, eventually it just, the momentum started, you know, you got the, you got the sled moving, you know, getting that, that heavy, heavy ass, uh, sled on the field moving, uh, is really, really tough at the beginning but once the momentum's going it's not as bad yeah i mean i mean you nailed it on the head like you just gotta do a little bit every single day and don't try to do everything at once you know recognize where you are and understand where you want to be and then you know just take one step a day and you'll get there that's uh you could relate that back to somebody trying to lose weight my favorite saying recently is if it takes you know, if, it, if you walk 10 miles into the woods, 
You have to walk 10 miles to get out of the woods. Um, if you, for the last 20 years, have been accumulating adipose tissue, you're not going to get shredded in six weeks. Um, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Um, it's going to take you quite some time to you know, change your lifestyle habits, change the way that you eat, change the way that you move, and, and overall change who you are as an organism and, and how your body expresses its, you know, uh, stores of energy. So, Ian, yeah, I mean, as a coach, you got to be brutally honest with your, right. with your clients. Like, like you said, you know, I mean, Connor, if I look at your Instagram, like you're yoked as hell. Um, so, like, obviously, I stayed. I stayed with the the bodybuilding modality mostly. You just uh, you just made his week, man. <laughs> right, but that, I mean, so it's just like you know, people that you know. I mean, that's like bodybuilding is a craft where it's like these people spend so many hours every single day, and it's not just what you're doing in the gym. It's like what you're eating, you know, not drinking, going to sleep, like all this stuff that goes into it but that's like you know i remember i used to follow like phil heath and ronnie coleman these dudes like it's like a 20 year journey rap rap yeah. lightweight baby lightweight baby <laughs> yeah these guys are like but again it's like everyone in their craft that's at the top of their game like they 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 took one step at a time and nobody they didn't cut corners that mastered the basics exactly and the basics don't change whether you're 30 or you're 15 you know maybe you know i this is something that i i look at like if we get a 25 year old from peru who's never lifted ever doesn't know how to hinge does does my programming for the hinge change relative to you a 15 year old like no it's it's exactly the same you know um, so it's just like, like what you said, Josh, respect the basics and like, don't think that just because you learned it once, you're never going to have to do it again. You know, the best guys, they still do the basics every single day. Um, Professionals still have coaches, man. Exactly. So, is there anything, uh, anything you want to leave us with here before we close it out? Uh, in what regard? What's, what's new for you, Ian? Like, what's kind of on what, the horizon? What's on the agenda? Yeah. Well, we start training tomorrow for the for the academy, so that's, like, near term. I ended up, like, actually starting my own business over COVID. Um, just because... OnlyFans. It's, it's very, very... Uh, <laughs> hey, man, I mean, if I was... If you're asking me, like, five years ago... And, you know, obviously, if you're a female, you probably have better success on OnlyFans than a guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but hey, man, they can make some real good money. So thousands and thousands of dollars above. They wouldn't, above. Be, they wouldn't become a Timbers coach. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't become a Timbers coach, but That's I mean, right. more power to them. They're, they're being entrepreneurs. <laughs> right. They're utilizing their tools. And What's the business, man? Tell us about it. So I started, so I wanted to like organize everything that goes on in my brain into something that I could give to people, you know, um, specifically like it started, like I want to be able to put 
what's going on in my brain onto a platform that I could provide to my family, my friends, you know, and ultimately help support myself in the future. Cause again, the professional world is ruthless. Um, and you have to sacrifice a lot to, to work in it. Um, so it's ultimately me recognizing that my timeline or my, the amount of time I have in this industry to begin with is, is not going to last forever. So, you know, this is part of like my financial education in terms of setting up that, you know, hopefully providing people with value in this industry where there is so much confusion and misdirection, you know, like, and I'm not trying to knock anyone's craft or anything, but it's more like when you're scrolling through Instagram, when you're taking a shit or something like that, like (laughs) you see a lot of, like you just see a lot of stuff. And for me, like, well, you're, you're seeing a lot of shit while you're taking a shit is what you mean to say. It's, it's, yeah, a lot of trash, a lot of flashy trash. You know, like I want, I want to provide people with value that's actually going to educate them to take ownership of their life. Right. So, and I want to do that, you know, and, pr- and provide my experiences, you know, to hopefully give them a more clear path to, to taking care of themselves. So starting like, it's called Vita Athlete. And Vita is, is life in Latin. Okay. So it's more so me taking a play on, V-I-T-A. you know, what V-I-T-A. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was more me taking a play on like, just because you're done playing sport doesn't mean you're not an athlete, you know, right. like who are we to say that someone who can run across a mountain in, in six hours or whatever um, isn't an athlete, you know, that's an expression of the body just in a specific, a different way than like say basketball, you know, and just because you're 40 doesn't mean you're any less of an athlete than someone who's 20 playing basketball. It's about having access to your body and being capable to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Right. So for me, it was like, you know, especially now in COVID, people need to train at home and they need to be able to train effectively with essentially minimal equipment, you know? And so that's part of what I'm trying to offer to people is like, Hey, like I can provide you with my knowledge, you know, at this professional level and I can apply it to you and your situation right now, you know, whether it's you're training at home at the gym or you want to do, you want to train like, you know, a professional athlete you want to do like real field work like it's just more so me trying to put everything onto a platform that is you know all of the input that i've received throughout my career packaging it in a way that can best support anyone you know so i just uh i just found you here on instagram guys go give this guy a follow b-i-t-a athlete um, professional performance coach, strength, movement, fitness, bachelor of science and exercise and sports science, Portland, Oregon, dude, Ian Russi. guys, go, go there follow go. this guy. He needs more followers. Look at this content. Yeah, it's man. Got, 30, it's 
better than OnlyFans. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, trying to provide an education um, to everybody, regardless of where you're at in life, um, you know, because, you know, I don't want to just hold all this information in my head that, you know, it's otherwise it's just kind of like feels a little selfish in a way. Right. Um, but you know, so you're taking on clients, you're taking on athletes, private, private online training or. So I've, I've really only, I've trained a few people in person. Um, only I've actually really only trained two people in person because I've spent, I've dedicated so much time to the timbers, but since July, that's when I've started to really start building out this, you know, all my thoughts into this business. Um, and so I'm, I'm currently like still building out an entire movement library to support my programming for all these people that I, you know, can hopefully offer within the next like month. Um, but on my platform right now, I have, you know, close to over like 600 or close to 500, or, you know, 550 videos um, of me essentially like demonstrating an exercise, explaining the why, you know, how to, and then re-demonstrating. And, and then ultimately I'm just going to package that all together um, in an efficient and holistic way, you know, for everyone, regardless of whether or not you're like, you know, a mom of three kids or your dad who just wants to move for like 30 minutes because he had a stressful day or whatever. Um, you're a 15 year old kid just playing high school soccer, um, whatever it is, like going back to that holistic approach, you know, movement is movement. And so it doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, what matters is, you know, how you're applying that, that movement and, you know, making sure that you still have the capacity to do what you want to do when you're 60 years old, you know? Right. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm, uh, hoping to offer to, to essentially everyone within the next month. Um, so I just started on Instagram, like trying to, you know, show more of a look into the, you know, my training philosophy, my training philosophy and how I'm moving, you know, <clears throat> and, you know, essentially a deeper look into, you know, a day in the life of, you know, what I do with the timbers a little bit too. So, um, there's yeah. some great videos in here. Um, now the videos are going to be up on your website because you talked about how you explain the, the why between or between for each exercise, which is what we did on, on our program. We, we had like YouTube links. So mm -hmm. does it look that way, Ian? Like, is it like a YouTube link or is it on your website? Yeah. So I have, so I actually reached out to this company um, and I was able to uh, essentially get my own customized platform where I have my own dashboard. So like I have my website um, that I'm still building out um, probably for the next month or so. Um, but it's just going to be an overview of the products that I'm offering. But if you sign up, then you get access to a dashboard um, and an app that I have, uh, which will be where all the programs are obviously implemented on. But 
the dashboard, you'll have access and on the app, you'll have access to like a discussion board or uh, a video or education content library, whatever. So you'll have access to every single movement that I have on the platform. So you'll have access to every exercise in the platform. So if you're just someone who wants to sign up and just have a library of exercises to pick from, but you want it to be an in-depth library where you know how to do it, you know why you're doing it, and then you know how to implement it. Um, and so you have access to this library. And a lot or you of these can exercises have uh, don't even require a gym. It looks like a lot of these are field work exercises, working yeah. on multi-directional movement and, you know, and, and plyometrics, things to just make you a better mover. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's tailored to everybody. Um, but you'll have access to this entire library. You'll have access to a discussion board where I'll post like videos, you know, just talking about, you know, the theory of like, you know, why training with your shoes off is probably better than training with like ultra boosts or whatever. Um, and how that impacts everything. Like whatever, whatever, you know, comes to my mind that I feel like I want to share my thoughts on, like, you'll have access to this discussion board and all of these videos that I put together, helping to actually educate people on why they're doing stuff. Cause that's a big, that's a big gap that a lot of people have is, you know, all these fitness influencers, like they just post a video and like, they, they don't say shit. Like, right. Look at my abs. They're awesome. <laughs> if you want, if you want buy-in, and you want to educate people um, to like actually believe in what you're providing them, then you need to explain to them why. And you need to help them connect the dots, you know, and help them understand like why something is beneficial and what it's going to translate to in their daily life. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm hoping to offer um, or am going to offer on this platform, you know, whether it's through like a, a daily workout of the day at home or whatever. Love you know? it, man. So, so yeah, so that's just beginning. Uh, Dude, we'll, we'll have to have you back on sometime. Thanks for coming on, Ian. It was yeah, good man. catching up with you. I really appreciate it. For sure. Yeah, I'm down. So I, I really enjoyed this. So. All awesome right, man. Talk, man. Go Thank Timbers. You. Yeah. See Later. you guys. All right, guys. What a, uh, what a very informative episode today. Wow, that was a lot. There was a lot going on in that. There was there was some good information as far yes. as like being able to decipher how to navigate the, the coaching field, but also just knowing why you work out. Like, don't just focus on the muscles, but focus on the movements. And I, we see a lot of trainers just focusing on isolating muscles, but there's a lot outside of you know isolation and bodybuilding. It was right, very good. Very good. Learned learned a ton. A lot of insight into where the field of strength and conditioning is headed and where it is today at the higher level. It's not just, uh, you know, getting stronger at, you know, better at squatting or deadlifting or getting up your 10 yard sprint time. It's really breaking down with assessments, looking at, you know, movement patterns and, and making people better at, uh, at what they're doing. Um, also, speaking of uh, programming, we have a at-home program for you guys. It is... Uh, everything you need to work out. Um, we have links in there for you to go on Amazon, buy the bands, buy the attachments, 
uh, to go on the door and that's everything you need. It's all, I believe under, uh, 60 bucks for the, uh, the actual equipment. And then the price is for our launch price is $49. It's going to be going up to a hundred dollars soon. So if you can get in there before the price goes up and we will get you guys rolling, there's videos describing everything. Me and Connor mm-hmm. are uh, are there, just like OnlyFans, you know. Just they're in very <laughs> short. They're in very short shorts. Very short, short, Connor short. is. We're there to support you. Got to shove those cakes and um, <laughs> cakes. You will get out of this program, and a good forewarning for the future, or kind of like a look forward. We're gonna have a booty program coming out, but next. Did you say is, booby? What's up? Did you say booby? With a T, booty. Oh, yeah. booty. Oh, oh. I was trying to, we're going to build next program is going to be a chesticle program to build up the chesticles. <laughs> the link for all these will be in the show notes. Yeah, so it's going to be on OnlyFans. In the OnlyFans You're link. Yeah, at home workout program, like Josh said, with uh, the YouTube links. And we're going to be right there with you. It's been proven to work and it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to see, to hear what happens with, uh, Ian Rusi's program, uh, as far as like his website, so he's going to have his own website and an app too. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do a collab with him for sure. Oh, of course. His uh, his ability to assess and his his movement skill um, proficiency, and then his ability to coach acceleration and top end speed is is uh, world class. I definitely um, would love to have him back on and and have you guys learn from him again. Definitely. And we're releasing our second program on Sunday. This Sunday, the Total Body Transformation Hypertrophy Program. So if you want to get jacked and tan, then all you need is a tanning bed. Wait, I'm just kidding. All you need is our program. It is a total transformation. It is five weeks long, but you can keep running it back to back to back, and then it'll give you guys options to trade in and out exercises there. Um, Basically, if you want to put on a lot of muscle, as quickly as possible in as safe a way possible this is the program for you you can run it on a cut you can run it on a bulk uh connor and i did the same program during our cut and we're able to recomp really well we added a lot of lean tissue while we shredded up for our photo shoot there last spring um finishing out well pretty much all summer is when we ran it yeah so we ran through it twice and just go back to your point nick you can run through the program again and again and we did switch out some exercises. We did it again, so to, to lean out and then to bulk up. So whatever your you know body composition, whatever kind of goal you have, right. it's gonna allow you to build that lean muscle tissue. I ran so, it uh, all 10 weeks of the cut. And then during the uh, recovery phase when I was slowly adding calories back in, I ran it another five weeks. So I ran it for 15 weeks. Um, Unparalleled progress, you know. Yeah, great, great they, they had. A, what about them clients, though? They had amazing transformations, and their, their clients did as well. And we're going to be offering this at what's the introductory price for this going to be? Uh, ninety nine dollars. Ninety nine dollars. Okay, so ninety nine dollars for introductory price. We'll have it all set to go on Sunday, and then of course any program that you buy with us is, you know, definitely you have the support of all four of us. So that's something that you can definitely look forward to. And then any any updates we do to that program, we will be sending you guys the updated version of the PDF. Um, For life. For life. Jacked and tan. Let's go. Yeah, and if you want exercise demos to to 
go look at it just to check me and Josh out. And <laughs> but if you to get want to see shape. short, short booty pictures, t- e, uh, DM Connor. It's only another video. So <laughs> 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 that 199 dollars. <laughs> now, so you can go to the YouTube channel Blue Collar Fitness Podcast. Actually, it's Blue Collar Fitness on YouTube, and there's a lot of guided workouts there. But that's yeah. not confusing. I think this might be our longest episode ever, boys. Yep. I feel it. We're setting PRs every day. All right. (laughs) I love you guys. Blue Collar Fitness loves you. And we're out.